following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Alan Gilman of All Saints Lutheran Church for April the 5th, 2020. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week as we prepare to commemorate the Lord's death and resurrection with Good Friday coming up this week and then Easter Sunday, of course, on on Sunday. Um, Today being Palm Sunday is the time we remember the Lord's what's called the triumphal entry as he entered into Jerusalem in preparation for the what he was going to be doing uh, in several days after that. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. But first, as I come to you from my home to your home, I hope everybody is doing well and holding up okay. Please remember to uh, to contact somebody at the church if you have any needs or you can contact me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. Please don't hesitate. Even just drop me a line. Let me know how you're doing. It'd be really nice to to hear from you. You could also send me comments and questions based on this or, or other messages. Uh, it'd be really great to get the conversation going, so to speak. Um, and so we're continuing our series that I've entitled The Remarkable Gospel as we're going through the Gospel of Mark. It's the remarkable gospel because there's so much reaction in the way that this version of the story of Jesus is told. And it's designed to evoke a response. And I I hope we're going to see that as we continue in this week's message as well. I decided to continue in in Mark. I'm planning to do some special messages for next weekend, uh, but for for this week, uh, for Palm Sunday, we're going to continue in Mark, and um, I'm going to make connections to it, and you'll, you'll see how this is going to work as we go along. So last week, we looked at a story of a lack of faith, and this week, we're going to look at a story of faith. Last week was the story of the reaction or lack of reaction. It was reaction that Jesus got when he went to his hometown town of Nazareth. And this week we're going to look at the next story. And, and there is a contrast here. And so we're going to look at that whole section again. We're going to read Matthew, Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And we'll be focusing on 7 through 13. So let's do that now. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Remember, this is the part we looked at last week, and in the comments of the video, you can see the link to last week's message if you haven't yet seen it or listened to it. Mark chapter 6. He, that is Jesus, went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man I lost my place. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. 
and he went about among the villages teaching. And here's our section for this morning, starting at verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would speak to us in it as wherever we are, whatever day we're watching or listening to this, that it would make a difference in all of our lives. Help me as I seek to share the things that I believe that you showed me as I've looked at this passage. And would you encourage us during this difficult time that we're in. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, I've entitled this message Unchained, and you'll see why in a minute. But what I want to do first is I want to explain how I'm connecting this story that seems to have nothing to do with Palm Sunday, how I'm connecting it to to Palm Sunday. So as I mentioned, Palm Sunday commemorates the triumphal entry, Jesus' big entry into Jerusalem about a week before his his death and his resurrection. Um, And I did... Uh, share about this last year at this time and um, if I remember I'll put the link to the audio message sorry I don't have a video to the audio message the version of of the message and so you can listen to that if if you like but just to summarize what happened um, Jesus set up this situation to fulfill prophecy in Zechariah 9 where it talks about the king of Israel who we understand to be the Messiah Uh, coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he knew, uh, especially after all that he had done in his teaching and his miracles, that this would be a sign to the people that he truly was the Messiah and that he was going to do something really big. And as I explained last year, the crowd went absolutely wild. They were shouting, Hoshiana ben David, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means deliver us now. Son of David, meaning the long-awaited Messiah, and the uh, some of the the religious leaders tried to to make the crowd quiet. They talked to to Jesus' disciples and said, "You know, make make them quiet." And actually, they went to Jesus and told him to make his disciples quiet. Is how it went, and uh, he said, "If if." they stopped shouting, the stones would cry out. And this is very clear. He was saying something big is really happening here. And the uh, the crowds being excited in the way they were and making such a big commotion was actually appropriate to what he was doing. And it's important to, to understand that because a lot of people see the, the Jewish crowd of that time being misguided. As you might know, uh, the Jewish people believed that when the Messiah would come, uh, he would cast off the Roman oppression and and free them and make them all that God had called them to be, fulfilling uh, the messianic expectation in the Hebrew Scriptures, the, the Old Testament. 
Um, and so a lot of people think that, no, the crowd is misguided. They didn't understand that he had to die for our sins and rise from the dead so that, that we would be forgiven our sins and, and inherit eternal life by our trusting in him. Now, all that part is true. And it's also true the crowd didn't understand that he needed to do that, but they weren't totally misguided in that uh, what Jesus actually accomplished was not entirely different from what they expected. In fact, it was greater than and more than what they expected, not different from and certainly not less than. Instead of casting off Caesar's oppression and Roman oppression, a, a, a political victory through military means, what Jesus actually did his, is he broke Caesar's power by conquering death so that the, his followers that could then go out into the world and bring the good news of his rule to the uttermost parts of the world. One of the things that the people didn't understand in his day is that the messianic uh, project was going to be a process, and it wasn't going to be just a thing that happens in Kaboom, uh, God's kingdom is established. It was going to be something that would uh, be developed over a very long period of time, and it's a period of time that we're still in that we get to be part of, and it's the realization that Jesus conquered death, that which then was able to equip his followers to go into the world, it was that reality and the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came as a result uh, later on at, a, at the festival of, of Pentecost, uh, Shavuot in Hebrew. Uh, his death and resurrection happened at Passover time, which this year begins Wednesday evening. And it's just a little aside, this is a very difficult, going to be a very difficult time for a lot of people. There's a lot of Christians that uh, especially go to church on, on a weekend that would be coming uh, next week, and they can't. Um, and so get the word out that they could watch sermons, this one or other ones, and, and, and other teaching by video. They don't, they don't have to be left out, and there's so much going on that we're trying to do, and other churches are trying to do, uh, to help people during a time when most of us are in are stuck in our homes. But the same is true for Jewish people expecting to celebrate Passover. As you probably know, me and my family are Jewish followers of Jesus, uh, just like his original followers. The ones that were making all that ruckus on that first Palm Sunday, those are our ancestors. And uh, so we still celebrate Passover. We understand it as not only... Are the celebration of our deliverance from Egypt so many thousands of years ago. It's also a commemoration of our greater deliverance through what uh, Jesus, our Messiah, has done. And as you probably know, the, the Last Supper was his last Passover. We were hoping to do a very large Messianic Passover celebration uh, here in Ottawa on Thursday night, and that had to be cancelled, just like so many other things have been cancelled uh, in these in these past few weeks. And so it's a, it's sad that families aren't, extended families aren't able to get together as they expected. For, for many Jewish people, this is the, the time of year when people would travel from afar to be with their relatives at, at Passover time. So if you have any Jewish friends, be praying for them, and maybe give them a call and wish them a happy Passover. They would really, really appreciate it, especially this year. And so, what, what, what Jesus did uh, 
through uh, dying for dying for us and rising from the dead, unleash the power of the Holy Spirit, um, so that we uh, are truly free. So that the 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 fear and control of death would no longer oppress us anymore, which is greater. So it's it's really incredible to think about how these Jewish people, followers of Jesus, would be able to go into. Uh, the Roman Empire in their day and speak about the God of Israel and call people to turn to him in the name of the Messiah Jesus. Um, and they did it. And they, and they, as the scripture says, they love not their life unto death. They were even willing to die for this because of its truth, because God had called them to do it. And in spite of the pressure, the per- persecution, the opposition, they were free in God to go and expand the Messiah's mission in the world of their day. And we are called to do the exact same thing in our day. And what I'm hoping to share in the rest of our time is to show us that even in the difficult situation right now where most of us are stuck in our homes, we are still free to fulfill uh, the messianic mission uh, in our own day at this time. And so what we're going to look at now is something that happened earlier uh, we don't know exactly how long before uh, the triumphal entry this occurred, um, but it's very relevant to Palm Sunday, as you will see. So let's look at the passage. We'll go again and read again verse 7. And he called, Jesus called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. So first of all, we see they went out. Now that that's kind of ouch, because a lot of us can't go out. Everyone's telling us, stay home. It's taking me a long time to fully understand why we need to stay home as much as possible and only go out when it's essential. Because every time we venture outside of our households, we're um, increasing the risk of passing the virus to other people. So I do want to encourage everybody to be wise um, I believe it's the godly thing to do at this time. Uh, so faith in this case is staying home, not going out unless we really need to. And if you need help and you can't get out, remember, contact someone to help you. If you don't know who to contact, contact me and I will do my best. Wherever you are in the world right now, um, I will do my best to to connect you with uh, the the person or the agencies that can best help you. Okay, so... They went out, um, and but when we can't go out, um, but it's 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 interesting and something that I've looked up and it actually caught my eye uh, on social media. There are some good things on social media, and somebody posted how, um, and our church is going to particularly like this one. So in the 1500s, Luther Martin Luther translated the New Testament into German while secluded in way in Wartburg Castle. Now, his seclusion was for his safety, just like our seclusion is for our safety. Different situation. Uh, But he was in seclusion, isolation for a while, and he used that time to uh, bring to the the German-speaking world of his day and following the gift of the New Testament. There were other Greek translations of the New Testament, but this is the first one from the original Greek. In the 1600s, Shakespeare wrote King Lur, King Lur, 
King Lear while in quarantine from the plague. That's a little bit more like our situation. Um, you might have something in your heart to write, uh, and and this is the time to do it. There are people that talked about, well, when I finally get the time to write that book, I'm going to write that book. I, I know this time is because, it's because since we have to, it's 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 harder. We were wanting to do it on in our time and our way, but this might be your time to do that thing that God has been putting on your heart for so long. Well, in the sixteen, also in the sixteen hundreds, Isaac Newton discovered gravity and developed calculus while in isolation from the Great Plague of London. And uh, whether you're a mathematical one of the few extraordinary mathematical minds or something else, this might be your chance to develop something that's never been developed before. And uh, you may or may not know that the most influential writing from the American Civil Rights Movement movement was Martin Luther King's letter from Birmingham Jail in the spring of 1963. And that, I looked that up, and it's an interesting story in itself. Um, But this is all to say that these situations uh, that that seem to be so restricting can be opportunities for great things. Uh, In the Bible, John wrote the book of Revelation in exile on the island of Patmos. The Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and 2 Timothy while in prison. And uh, again, this is not wasn't a sickness thing. Uh, he was unjustly held in prison. But when you realize how horrible those prisons were in his day, he talks about being chained. It does seem he was able to have some visitors. And as far as we know, he dictated his letters. He also seemed to have um, an eyesight problem. He was not a very well man. And there he is in these horrible, smelly, disgusting dungeons. And yet, he provided, God through him provided to the world gems that we have been nurtured, uh, nurtured with, nurtured by, nurtured by, nurtured by, and blessed by, and helped by, whatever the right preposition, you, you, you get it, uh, from something that he did when he was so restricted. And let's see what he actually says about this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He writes, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. That's all connected. That's that Palm Sunday theme that he understood that, that he's the greater son of David, the expected son of David, the Messiah. So remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the death conqueror. Remember the death conqueror, the Messiah, as preached by my my gospel, the good news that he's sharing, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. And some of you feel unjustly restricted. People are telling you, stay home, stay home. You don't want to stay home, but you got to stay home. And you feel that it's unjust, unfair. And the whole situation, of course, is unfair. What did we do that we're in this situation? Well, we're in that situation. So for which I'm the the gospel for which I'm suffering bound with chains as a criminal get this but the word of God is not bound 2 Timothy 2 
8 and 9. The word of God is not bound. We could also translate, the word of God is unchained, not chained. Unchained, but the word of God is not chained. So as we look further into what happened when the followers of of Jesus, the 12 in particular, went out and what they did, we can do similar things in spite of our current restrictions. Now, some, some of us, some of you listening to this, you might be restricted in other ways. There might be other things happening in your life that are restricting you. With God, it actually doesn't matter. Now, you're not going to run the 100-meter hundred, the hundred sprint with, I can't, I'm restricted too. I, I, I can't do, there's lots of things I can't do. There's lots of things that you can't do. But what is it that God's calling you to do? What is it that God's calling me to do? Whatever it is, whatever it is, with God's help, we can do it. Okay, so they go out two by two. And this reminds us that we need community. He didn't send them out by themselves. Sometimes we find ourselves by ourselves. But we're meant to go out two by two. Now, right now, some of you are alone. Um completely alone, um, you hardly are seeing other people. And some of you are in households like we are. Uh, We still need to remember that we shouldn't be doing this alone. I keep mentioning, contact me if you you don't know what to do. Uh, You are not meant to endure this alone. And so whether you call somebody and pray with them, you call some... I've I've been praying. I, I actually... Um, some people who know me, maybe this is not a surprise. I love people. I love interacting with people. I love talking to people, but I find picking up the phone difficult. I don't know why. I find myself becoming like a recluse. My mother became a recluse in her in her older age. She's passed away many, many years ago, but she became a recluse. She stopped seeing people. And, and I never thought that I could end up doing that and I have a big family, but I tend to go into my cave. This Right now, this is my temporary cave here um it's not really a cave it's better than a cave but you get the point that um some of us find it easier just to not bother and i'm you know i'm supposed to be a pastor and i'm supposed to be ministering god's word and all this sort of thing and but i do find it difficult but especially at this time i've been praying extra god who do you want me to reach out to who should i send a message to who should i phone oh that's hard but who should i phone and there's been certain people he's he's laid on my hearts and my heart and and so I've tried to reach out to them. And you might be thinking, well, why haven't I reached out to you? I'm sorry if you're one of those people. But if that's how you feel, call me, email me, message me. I'm sorry, but if you're the one that has to do the reaching out, then so be it. it might be the biggest blessing to you to like it is the challenge to me. Step out of your comfort zone. Do the thing that's that's difficult. And who would think that picking up the phone could be so difficult, or sending a message, or something? Oh, I don't want to get on the on this this uh, technology. I ha- I have one relative uh, that uh, um, has not been very technically savvy, but now they have to be, and so they've reached out to me, and I've done my best to help them. And some of you, that's what you need. Others, it's just a phone call. So please. Don't be alone. Let's. We need to be in community somehow. 
So we need to do this together. The, the second thing is we see verses 8 and 9, God provides. Uh, Jesus said, uh, or rather we read, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Now, I, I don't know if this is instructions for every time somebody goes out to do a mission in the name of the Lord. This is what they were supposed to do. But what's clear here is there's an underlying principle that as you go out, you don't need extra resources. The Lord will provide whatever you need. We're always supposed to trust God as we do His will. Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Pardon me. And all these things, and all these things will be added to you. We are to put God first. We are to seek His interests, His rule in our lives, in in everything around us. And as we go about doing His work, He will take care of the rest. That doesn't mean you shouldn't reach out to people when you you have needs. But wherever you're at, whatever your limitations... God has promised to take care of you as it might might be fulfilled through that phone call that you should be making or that email that you should be sending. But whatever it is, God will take care of you as you do whatever it is. And right now, we're not going out into the highways and byways to do this. We're doing this mainly from our homes. But whatever it is that we need, God will supply it in this difficult situation. Verses 10 and 11, we need to be careful not to waste time in in the way that I'll explain in a second. Verse 10, and he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So in their situation, they were entering houses and that's, we shouldn't be doing that. That's why we got to get what, you know, what are the principles underlying what he's saying here? But in this case, they were going to go, and they were going to go knock on people's doors. Hello, I have a message to share. They they were to be received like a prophet of God. And and if no one would receive them, they weren't supposed to press the issue. They were just to get going. Just get going. I actually actually spent a couple of weeks uh, when I was in uh, Bible college uh, selling and trying to sell encyclopedias door to door. My personality had a hard time with that, and I only lasted a couple of weeks. I sold a set the last door I knocked on. I actually decided to quit. I'm done, knocked on the door, said something like, you don't want to buy an encyclopedia, do you? And they said, oh, come on in. And they actually bought a set. So I got a little bit, I think I, I earned, it was, this is 19, when was this? It was our first year of marriage. And so that was 1980, the summer of 1980. And I made about $80 in 1980 dollars that's pretty funny um for my it was an experience let me i learned so much through trying to sell encyclopedias door-to-door in toronto in the summer of 1980 well one of the keys to doing well and i'm sorry to connect the sharing of the gospel with selling encyclopedias uh, younger folks are thinking what do we sell encyclopedias for we go on to wikipedia online but that's what we did and um anyway um the people who were really good at it, when they got rejected, they just went on to the next door and they didn't let that bother them. And they also didn't spend time trying to convince somebody who didn't want to buy an encyclopedia um, right from the get-go. Uh, 
they didn't want, they, you, you were supposed to discern right away if this was not a family that was going to buy it. So then you can go and find the families that would be open. And yet, many of us, when it comes to sharing the good news, uh, sharing our faith with people, we tend to take it personally. People don't want to hear it. We want to try to convince them, or then what? Or we tried it once or twice, and then we go and we put the want to get into bed and put the covers over our head. Oh, I'm never going to do that again. Instead of accepting the fact that we're it's the message that we're sharing is not our message; it's God's message. The message about Jesus, His Son, the Messiah, Savior of the world. If they don't want to hear it, now maybe we could do better at explaining it. So let's go to God and get his help and, and do better and, and talk to one another. There's that two by two again. We shouldn't be in this alone. In this case, maybe there's somebody that you've been wanting to share the, the truth about God for a long time. You've been too scared and now you want to do it maybe before they die. Uh, so get a friend to pray. Make the phone call. Doesn't go well. Call your friend. Call me. Somebody. Let's not do this alone. But let's also not waste time when people don't want to hear. This, I'm really, I really think that we need to uh, take the time to, to make amends with, especially with loved ones, with relatives and close family at this time. But if they don't want to hear you, they hang up the phone, ask God to help you with the pain of that, and, and then move on. If they don't want to hear it, they don't want to hear it. All right. And in the message, verse 12, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. This is the essence of the message. Now, as they were going, they were casting out uh, demons. They were healing sick people, which we really need in this time, actually both of those. But the message was one of repentance. And repentance is a call for change, a change of mind and a change of behavior, a change of focus, a change of priorities. The, the, the biblical concept goes back to the Hebrew shuv, meaning to turn. You're going the wrong way. Hey, everybody, you're going the wrong way. Turn around. That's what we need to call people to do. Not just to change into any direction, because you can go from one bad direction to another bad direction, which I'm sure a lot of people are doing with the pressure of the current crisis. People, there's going to be all sorts of change. Some people are going to going to hunker down and they're going to hold on to their old ways as much as possible. Other people are going to shift, but they're going to shift in another wrong direction. And we have the wonderful privilege and responsibility to call people to turn to the right direction. And so uh, at whatever it is or however we sh- are sharing the message of God to people, there's a time to comfort them. But even in that comfort, as people are struggling, there's always this some kind of call to shuv, to turn, to, I like, I, I picked this up from one of my sons, shared it from somebody else, that this need to recalibrate. We, we get out of whack, and so we have to readjust ourselves along the right track. So refocus. So, so there's so many of us that we've been doing well and things happen like the current crisis and we, we, we get jarred and we start, we're off kilter and we get, have some issues. So let's, let's remember uh, for the need in our own lives 
and as we share the truth of God with others, that we need to turn back to the right way. And as I already commented on, there were, there were the results. Verse 13, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. They were setting captives free. As I, was, as I referred to at the beginning, the connection with Palm Sunday, while this happened before that great event, it happened before Jesus died for our sins, before he rose from the dead, but the, the, what they were doing is all connected to Jesus' ministry that he did, that we're called to do, and it's a releasing of people from the oppression of evil, the oppression of the evil one, oppression of evil systems, op- oppression. And the message about Jesus and his power working through us sets people free. And we have an opportunity. In this time where people are, are fearful, some might be sick, there are people that are dying, there are people who know people are dying, there are people that know people are dying and they can't see them. Uh, it's a difficult time. And then there's all the other things that are happening that have been made harder because of the of the crisis. It's a very heavy time. And the goodness of God through us, through our words, through our prayers, um, through our blessing of people can alleviate that heaviness and help set them free. And this is all connected that we're not in this on our own. This is not our power, not our power, not our good ideas, not our creativity. It all has to do with Jesus' authority. And it's a a bit from verse 7 that I didn't comment on, where it says, when he sent them out and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. So Jesus gave his followers authority He put them in charge and gave them the ability to make a difference in people's lives so that they could be set free from the effects of evil, the effects of sin, from the evil one. And that's something that's been given to all of his people to various levels. Because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we have been authorized by Jesus and empowered by his Holy Spirit to do whatever it is that he has called us to do. And so whatever the restriction is, the current crisis or anything else, what really counts is is what is he calling us to do? And then to trust that whatever he calls us to do, we are equipped to do by the power of his Holy Spirit and we could make a difference. And whether that difference is small or it's big, what counts is that we're faithful to him and we and we obey him, trusting in him that he will work through us. And the thing that I want to close with is I, I want to make sure that we understand that we can't do any of this unless we really know him. And if if that's a question that you have, that's another thing that please contact me about. Again, write me at pastor at allsaintlutheran.ca. Uh, that information is in the comments of the video. But I do want to encourage you that if you have any doubts that you truly know the Lord, I encourage you to to ask Him to come into your heart and your life, uh, that uh, tell Him that you ask Him to forgive you your sins and take over. We all need to repent. We all need to turn to God. And at this very difficult difficult time, we want to make sure that we are right with him before we can't do anything about it. And then to reach out to other people. 
before it's too late. And that sounds really dire, but these are dire times and we need to take that very, very seriously. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have equipped us by the power of your Spirit to be able to go out whether we do get to go out uh, into other people's homes or we're stuck in our own home, that you can use us wherever we are at this time. Father, help us to get over our fears. Help us to look to you. Help us to hear you and to do that which you have called us to do, whatever it is, and then help us to leave that in your hands. Have mercy on our fellowship. Have mercy on this city and this country and the world at this time and help those who are really struggling, people who are sick. May you bring healing to them. Help us to bring a healing word to people emotionally and physically to them. Somehow, Lord, please help us and guide us at this time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, remember, please leave a comment. You can leave a comment with this video. Contact me. I'll be happy to, to be in, in, in contact with you. Uh, so you don't have to be alone. God bless you. Until next time. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.